0: A wizard. Some say he was born in Cornwall, while some say he's on a journey. It's the journey, and here's your host, David Hackett. In June of 2022, our guest today was knighted by the Royal Order of Constantine the Great and St Ellen, joining in the ranks of 350 dames worldwide. Our guest is an internationally acclaimed award-winning media personality, producer, director, writer, author, public speaker, and for- former supermodel and winner of the Celebrity Survivor Show. With hundreds of television and film credits to their name, this is ooze of international and american women bringing over 35 years of entertainment industry experience in both international and american markets and our guest is the founder and ceo of in media a multimedia platform consisting of tv or video a podcast and a digital Digital magazine magazine. (laughs) i know i mean i'm reading it quick Uh, shows can be seen on Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, etc. And a podcast can be heard on 15, 15 different distribution platforms. So we're going to go into, because I don't want to spoil it all, but we're going to introduce, and it's Dame Clarissa Bert to the journey.
1: Hello, David. Hello. Hello. Well, are you coming, where are you coming in from?
0: I'm from technically east side but I'm originally from from England
1: right and are you there now no (laughs) no I didn't think so. I was going to say it'd be rather late if you were well I'm coming to you from Phoenix Arizona and we are just at six in the evening and it's just so so great to be with you tonight
0: Thank you. And I always, as I was saying, pre-recording, it's not often, and this is where we can hopefully help the Americans a bit more. Dames are a thing. Yes, you've heard of ladies, lords, but dames is what Europeans call ladies of, um, how can I write it in the nicest way, distinction.
1: Thank you. Yes. I believe that that was the great honor that was bestowed on me in June of 2022 uh, 22 in Las Vegas, Nevada, by the sovereign and royal, royal order of Kapodosha, which is in Turkey, uh, Constantine the Great and St. Helen. And it's a royal order that goes back way, way back to the Const- uh, the uh, Byzantine empire.
0: The mm.
1: um, um, The prince came in and he knighted 24 of us on that evening. And it was really, really, truly a great honor. It is an mm-hmm. honor of distinction. And I, And I hold it very near and very dear to my heart.
0: Now, I know I'm not boasting when I say this, and most of my listeners, and including people close to me, know I've met the former Queen of England when she was alive. I was 15. I met Prince Charles when he was obviously Prince Charles, not King Charles. And Mm -hmm. so I know what it's like to be in the presence of royalty, per se. So Mm -hmm. let's start there, because... When you are in front of a prince or king, and in this case, it was a prince, how was it for you? How did you feel?
1: Well, let me get back a little bit. Um, I'm talking about London. I'm talking about the Never Ending Story movie premiere, Never Ending Story Part 2. And we knew that we were going to be as the cast uh, there in London, 1990, yeah. possibly 1991, somewhere along there, early 1991, it could have been. And we got to meet Princess Anne. Mm. So she she came in and, and met with us all. And I do believe that was my first curtsy, probably my first <laughs> and only curtsy. <laughs> but uh, it was a, an extraordinary experience. You know, mm. I mean, you see so much of them, you hear so much of them and and to be, you know, in their presence and they're coming to actually kind of pay homage to you if you will in your movie because they don't have to say yes to come come along Mm. and do and and it's wonderful it's wonderful when they do
0: now you touched upon the movie "The never ending story now Mm. one of my biggest movies of all time is the never ending story so i always get excited when i hear people talk of it so
1: so You well, know that I was the mean queen in the Never Ending Story Part Two. Yeah. There was a there was a, a mean queen by the name of Zaida, and she stole all the boys' memories. And
0: yeah, and
1: that was me. Yeah,
0: I like the concept of that because you know the Never Ending Story, and you know even a journey, it's just never ending. And yeah. the motive behind, I, I think, I'm right in saying, is it's germinal for end, Michael and Michael Ende. Yeah, Ende. And, you know, just the concept of how he wrote the, that book, you know, the very first book was the two films in one, obviously, because they couldn't make two separate books. But right, it would have been good to see the concept of one book and then another book.
1: Well, hmm. our theme was the nothingness. And it was, uh, you know, it was really based upon the, you know, the message was the importance of reading so that you had, you know, <laughs> a you lot. To...
0: Keep, keep an imagination going roll. Well. Yeah, tough tough times were happening so that was your, I assume that was one of your biggest breaks on TV stroke on the big screen
1: yeah yeah. as far as movies is concerned it was a Warner Brothers worldwide release I think I was told that I was dubbed in 17 different languages including Chinese and Japanese (laughs) so it was a a big movie back in the day the second one obviously didn't do as well as the first um but you know the second rarely does as well as the first and,
0: and... and the one that people often forget about is the third one
1: <laughs> i don't even know i heard there was a third one i didn't know about that for quite some years yeah, some years after the
0: f- third one starring, like don't quote me on this i think i got my knowledge right jack black wasn't it
1: <laughs> right
0: and me yeah. in 2018 uh, Eight o'clock in the morning reading Jack Black is like, okay. <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. So, we're talking about your journey and we're talking about obviously your media per se, which is a way of cross promoting as well. It's mm-hmm. called For Limelight Media. I love the tour of that. Why was it called infomercial? because? Well,
1: because yeah. you know, I started on stage and in front of a camera, and as Mary Poppins in the kindergarten play, and I absolutely, I was I was mesmerized by my first uh, my first applause after I sang, you know, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, and I think I even brought them to their feet, David, to be honest. And I was I was just so struck by you know how fun it all was. It took me quite some time after that to get back up on stages again. I started when I was about 24 as a model, and then it moved into television and movies a few years after that. So, um, mm-hmm. but I do I do love the I love the live component of what we're doing right now. I love the live component of live television, which is where I really did most of the bulk of my work in Italy, and then I also became a producer, so I started to produce movie, uh, um, television shows as well. Hmm. and documentaries so my love is always where there's you know lights camera and action for sure
0: yeah and you know having worked on the radio live radio per se compared to pre-recorded is always fresh you've got the tantalizing what's going to happen next and in the radio yes you've got the button where you can actually have the time delay but I like it to be as raw as possible so this yeah. so this interview, when it's uploaded, there will only be a couple of things in there, but it will be mm. untouched. It'll be pure. And that's what yeah. I believe in a lot of things. And like I said, the journey is about being raw, pure, because you can't just go straight forward. As you know, on the freeway, you've got to take the turn in sort of left, right, around, the, around you know, circle you know you got to do that a three point turn is those complexities that makes it unique because you can't just be straightforward
1: yeah I um I have to say that I do love you're right that you know being the direct of you know being able to as when I was working in Italy on television be able to look into one lens and know that you're speaking to millions of people I think it's, it's really it's if you think about it it's quite jarring but it's also it just is so motivating it just keeps you motivated to know that you know people are there and they're actually listening and they're watching and they're judging as well I mean you know that's normal but it was always um it was always when I felt as though I was doing my best work because it does keep you on your toes Mm.
0: and you know especially if you're doing a live you know show per se because you know you could do have days in the forecast day and I don't know what percentage is in America, but if you go to a certain channel, sixty or seventy percent, I think it is. I don't know the exact numbers because I don't mm-hmm. research enough. But most of it is live right. until a certain yeah. time, then it cuts to pre-recorded or early in the day. You so yeah. it's a constant. And I like that
1: And people that people that are able to work on live uh radio live television um it's really it's really quite a gift because you know it's it's the kind of thing that scares the bejesus out of a lot of people <laughs> um I, there was a recent quote that I love was done by Jerry Seinfeld and it says I would much rather be the guy in the coffin at a funeral than the guy at the podium telling the eulogy
0: yeah I understand that's
1: how afraid some people are <laughs> Yeah. A public speaking, so yeah um it was it's uh but I love it I mean there mm. you know I'm it, to me it's give me the microphone just give it to me you
0: know? <laughs> now <laughs> I, I now I know like and I don't mind showing it I have got when I mean, it doesn't disappear I have got that from up I've got no notes about you I've got nothing so this is just ask away and I believe that so it, well, I'm um, going into saying you was the first American to present in Russian TV at the Kremlin. Yes. Now, that, now that was a change. That was pretty
1: really cool. That was in 19. It was the, the wall had just fallen in 1989 uh, in November. And in January of 1990, it was cold in Russia. <laughs> we went over with Laura Biaglotti, who was a, a um, fashion designer at the time, and they were doing an Italian fashion event at at the Kremlin. And um, and so I was already working on television then. So they knew that I could present perfectly in English because I'm American and in Italian because I, I spoke fluent Italian. So we were at the, I mean, the, the idea of being at the Kremlin on stage and with on live um, Russian television was so new, not only to the Russians, but it was really new to me as well. I mean, my, fa- my grandfather was like, oh my God, they, you know, they, communists, they eat children, you'll never be home. I was like, grandpa, it's not like that anymore, you know? <laughs> so I went over and it was on stage at the Kremlin. And so I was doing the Italian-English translation to the next lady to me who was doing the English Russian translation so we worked in tandem she and I to be able to put out to the Russian uh live Russian television uh this you know this fashion event which was really really cool
0: Mm, and I like the complexity because obviously you have to adapt to you know your co-worker and in this situation you said they were Russian I assume she was Russian
1: she was Russian, so but she spoke English. So yeah. I was from Italian to English, and she took the English and turned it and translated it into Russian for the television. So <laughs> we were working. out on that way. It was a great evening. It was really a great evening. She was really, really true professional as well. So that yeah, was and, great. It
0: was a good. And time. then having two private audiences with the late Pope John yes. Paul II on your social yeah. work, and I like that as well because.
1: Yeah, I did too. It was, you know, I lived in Rome at the time. In fact, I lived in Italy for 30 years, but I was living in Rome. And, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess the Vatican sees a lot of the television that we do. And and I, I I was doing a lot of social work at the time. I wasn't I'm not married and I don't have children. So my weekends were usually taken up with a lot of the events that were happening around the country. And most of them were, you know, a lot of them were charity events. And so I would go and um insist on not get paid um and just send me a car and a driver and you know I'll come down and you know do whatever and I always had a great time with that so they were honoring people that were I giving of themselves and time you know to cha- charities and so I was recognized for that which was really spectacular
0: so your journey and now this is me going back did you ever expect when you're a teenager going into a young adult or did you expect to be doing these things or did you just wanted to try it because it was something that came naturally to you
1: um I knew always that I wanted to be rich and famous um I made good money and I did become well known in one country you know (laughs) in Italy Uh, but I realized that you know now at, at this age that riches means something completely different to me and fame is is something great when you can use it for the good of others
0: yeah. And that's good philosophy because you get some people who think me, 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 me. I yeah,
1: no, don't, yeah. don't
0: think about the surrounding around me. It's all yeah. circled around them. Right.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a very uh, blessed place to be, you know, and, and um, it's, it's, there's a lot to be said for it. You get a lot of perks. But at the same time, you're able to do with those perks things for, as I said, for others as well, which is extraordinary. You know, you you get a leg up, if you will, um, to be able to help others, which is wonderful.
0: Yeah. And going into talking about where it says ambassador in, to the United States, you actively Al- African women, which is another great thing. because The Nobel Peace
1: Prize. Yeah. yeah.
0: And you won a Nobel Peace Prize in 2011 now.
1: Well, I helped them win it. I didn't yeah. win it. Well, it. you know, you, yeah. people, but <laughs> yeah. you can say i didn't really great. That That's I should put that on my bucket <laughs> list, David. <laughs> <laughs> um it was wonderful in that I was asked by an organization in Italy if I would be interested in and in sort of, you know, um uh working here in the United States with something that was called Walking Africa. And it was a campaign that mm, predominantly spoke about African women and their plight. And, um, walking Africa was really how the distances that m- many African women have to walk to get clean water. And, um, and so of course, immediately I said, yes, it was right up my alley. And, um, and so I did what I could to help with that. And, uh, at the end of the day, I, it was 2011. Yeah. 2011, if I remember correct, 2011, 2001 I can't remember exactly what year that was. Gosh, I'm getting, you know, when you're getting old and you can't remember stuff like that. But anyway, it was a great, it was a great 2001. No, couldn't have been. Anyway, I'll get the year straight. Uh, it should be on that, on the paper I wrote, but I can't remember. Um, and so anyway, they, there were two uh, 211 nominees for the Nobel Peace Prize in that year. And, um, and, you know, it, was, it could be a little disheartening if you think, wow, well, you know, what are the chances of our winning, you know, one in 211. And so when I heard that the women, the African women did win, there were three separate women that did win um, the African for the African cause that year. And it was a really, it was a crowning moment. I mean, I didn't get, I don't get anything for it. And I, there was certainly no kudos or you know things along those lines which is fine it it was meant to be for them but I was just so honored to be a part of it all yeah. you know so I did have them. yeah I, I did I was the ambassador of the United States for that that year
0: and that what is a good you know. it just shows that in I the space remember. of so you know in the space of of many years it just shows you can do anything and yeah you know yeah. I like that concept because if you put your mind to it and mm-hmm. there is a saying, yes, you can, or I believe I can, then if you have that mm-hmm. mindset, it will drive you forward and it won't hold you back.
1: Yeah. It's wonderful. It really truly is. So, yeah, that's what I say. You know, when you when you reach when you work and you reach celebrity status and you're asked to do these kinds of things, the fame is used to be helping others. You know, that I think is the most important thing. Um, instead of, you know. Not helping others, but yeah. that's, just my, that's and,
0: just my. And it's not me sounding arrogant and pompous in any way, but celebrity. At the end of the day, yes, you are just the same as me and anyone on the street. So it's just totally. it's just a title which you get recognized Absolutely. as celebrity. Yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. And you know, remember, celebrity can be famous or infamous. So it doesn't always, you know. Al Capone was a celebrity too, but, you know. Yeah. So I, you know, it can be it can, but go both ways. A so celebrity, celebrity status means you're well known. It doesn't necessarily mean you're, you know, you're well known for good things.
0: Mm. So going into modern times, obviously we've had COVID and everything, but I mm-hmm. think pre-COVID it was pretty hectic. In oh that. my
1: goodness, it was long before COVID.
0: So, modeling, yeah,
1: yeah, that was back in the eighties.
0: So just before Never Ending Story.
1: It was before the Never Ending Story, exactly. And I'm and that was great. That was really a great time in my life. It was exactly what I wanted to do. And I was able to travel the world and work very well with, you know, amazing photographers and magazines and be on most of the runways that, um, you know, were out and about. I think I did even an event at the uh, Albert Hall. Is it Albert Hall?
0: Royal Albert Hall in London. Yes,
1: Royal Albert Hall, right. So we came in one year uh, for an event there. I don't remember who the designer was that we walked for, but we came in and did that event, which was so beautiful. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I've just been so lucky and so blessed, but, um, yeah. And then all of these were the things that, um, sort of were, you know, part of my formation when people say, why did you write the book? Well, there's a lot of cool things that went on, but, um, you know, I wanted to write the book because I wanted it to be, um, I wanted to be able to put some of my life experiences into practical way mm. of looking at what self-esteem really means.
0: Yeah, so talking about your book you already touched upon it self-esteem is that mm-hmm. the
1: self-esteem self-esteem regime mm. the regime is an organized way of doing things and it's uh it comes from my really mm, wanting to shake some people, you know, because they were not living, I, well, you know, they weren't living their greatest good. You know, I wanted to go up and say you are so much more than what you think you want. Your perception of yourself is, is far too low. My perception of you is I think you're an amazing human being and you don't see that. And I found that to be frustrating sometimes, not because I went around, you know, run around trying to change everybody's lives, but because self-esteem is a real thing Yeah. and and the lack of happy, healthy self-esteem is, is a horrible place to be.
0: Yeah, and I've often in my time lacked self-esteem because I always think I'm not doing good enough, but I have been yeah. people saying, you're doing great because you're just being yourself. So Absolutely. I've learned to adapt to that understanding, but it took me yeah, for many years to say, yes, I am this, but I still have days where I say, no, no, mm-hmm. and I shy away.
1: Yeah. Also, because there are going to be days, you know, self-esteem ebbs and flows and it comes and goes and it's up and down. And the idea is to be able to, is to be able to get enough tools in the shed, meaning read enough, you know, read personal development, self-help books, you know, commit them uh, to your daily, uh, to the da- your daily work, make sure that you are doing, because it is, it's a little bit of work, you know, is, is involved in, in happy, healthy self-esteem. It just doesn't happen uh, And so you know, as I say, the tools that are in the shed are the ones that you can rely on when times get tough, when life is triggering, when uh, some things don't always feel so so good. Um, and when that storm comes through, which it inevitably will, uh, you who by standing strong in your stead and being well rooted in the soil, uh, you know you might lose a leaf or two when the storm comes through, you might even lose a branch but you're not going to be transported away with a storm because you already, you know, you already have some pretty good tools that you can, can rely on. Yeah. And how long have you been working on the book? How long did I work on the book? Yeah. It's a book that I wanting to write for a while. It, it published a year ago, a little over a year ago, and it's been doing really well. It's pluri awarded now. So it's got, it's gotten its awards. It's uh, all over the United States in our bookstores. It's on Amazon, Kindle, Uh, Audible, um, and it just goes to show the importance of personal development and why we need to be, especially in these times, David, that are really so so destabilizing, Mm -hmm. so kind of topsy turvy and upside down, whether politically or economically or uh, socially. um, It seems as though there's so much turbulence and turmoil and trouble and and discord that it's just you know it's really good for us to remember. Or that it's on us to do this work so that when all of that is going on we need to be aware of it for sure we can't be we can't be again transported we can't be you know ripped away from our own truth and our own self um, because of all of the scary things that are happening our first chapter the first chapter in the book is is the release and so the most important things I think are some of the things we need to unlearn, some of the things that aren't serving us, and we have to get rid of. And one of those things is, you know, is, is the tribe mentality, um, you know, how it festers and foments and how we have to be just, you know, be ourselves, stay with ourselves and let all of that outside clutter happen, but we can't be, you know, we can't be buying into it. Otherwise- you know we'll never get the the personal development work done that we need to get done
0: yeah i totally get that and it's about you as a person yes you can have people supporting you but ultimately it's down to you and i'll emphasize the word you you
1: as
0: as yourself
1: yeah. Well, when you bring the best you to, you know, to any case scenario, to work, to a relationship, to as a parent, as a, as a son, um, as a daughter, whatever it is, wherever you're going, you want to be the best you, you know, my mantra now is I want to be a better person tomorrow than I am today. Don't know exactly what that means. There's going to be something throughout the day that I that I'll go up. That's what it is today I'm supposed to be working on. That's the little teeny thing that happened, or that was that little annoyance, or that was that little trigger that an older me would have just taken it and blown it out into something, you know, gigantic. Uh, Whereas, and today I can look at it and go, okay, not a big deal, not important, not giving my power away. Those daily demons that I talk about in the book, you know, they come back every No time for that anymore, you know, so you start to live in a in a in a knowing and a kind of an all knowing place, if you will, within yourself mm. uh, and you you live in a in a much more quiet, serene, and peaceful place which which is a great place to be,
0: yeah and you said um I'm repeating this, you said it can be on most books um shops and online inaudible as well which is good because some people yeah. nowadays listen to audible so
1: mm-hmm. you know they call it self-help David I prefer I I really I want it to be I don't want it to be shelf help in other words if you buy the book read it if you read the book do the work don't buy it and have it sit on your nightstand and, and or you know you shelf it in a, in a bookcase somewhere and don't do the work you know you really owe it to yourself to, and and some of the work is just so fun and so enlightening. Some of it's going to be a little scary. Some of it, you're going to need some courage, you know, courage um, to get through. But boy, is the light at the end of that tunnel so big, bold, and bright. It's yeah. just, it's an amazing, I love doing the work. And again, I'm imperfect. I make mistakes, but I do, I'm mindful about really wanting to be the best I can possibly be. And I, and I think I say, people say, well, why do you want to do it? Well, because it just, I want to live in a kind world. You know, I think it was a a Gandhi that said, you know, be, you know, the, the, be the person that you want to be in the world or be, you know, the change you want to be in the world. And I think that the no truer words could have been spoken, you know, be the change. Um, If you, you know, if you want to live in a happier place, uh, then be a happier person.
0: Yeah, I totally get that. So now going into the future, how do you see things developing in the future?
1: Well, what I really would like to do is to take this self-esteem regime. Uh, it is a, it's a manual. So what I'm really proud of, this is not a read. You're not going to sit down and read, and it's going to be, a, this is a manual, and it's, it's sort of a vadimekum, if you will. It's one of those kind of reads you're going to read, and it's chapter by chapter, and you do the work, and you grow throughout, and then maybe six months down the road, maybe a year later, you'll read it again, and you're going to be really excited because you're going to, wow, well... I didn't get them around. I completely missed that phrase or man, I I can't believe I, you know, last year I, I released because the first chapter is released. I released, but I didn't realize that I really also needed to release this other thing as well. So it's, 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 it's an evolution. You know, you're in constant evolution when you're working on yourself and when you're working on personal development, um, self-improvement and I love it. I, I mm. think it's 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 a really it's changed my life um immensely. And yeah. I and I offer and I offer it to others as well because it's just it would be such a better place. We could all be living a better existence and a kinder in a kinder place as well.
0: Mm. So touching upon that because you said about helping others, what would you say to help others today?
1: To have a very strong value system to know exactly what your values are and to live them uh, as a manifest as like a manifesto. So you are going to mind, for example, is to take the high road. And that has nothing to do with drugs, David. (laughs) It's honesty, integrity, gratitude, and honor. So if you can live in honesty, radical honesty with yourself and with others, What Wouldn't you love to know that we were living in a 100% honest world? Yes, I'm saying it's utopia. I get it. But just think about the possibilities if we could all be more honest. Integrity, those are your moral values, your moral principles, your moral uprightness. Wouldn't that be a fabulous place to start if we were all living in integrity? gratitude we all know what we need to be grat- gr- um, uh, living in gratitude for and I think that we need to remind ourselves more often that sometimes it's just the littlest things a warm blanket, food in the pantry, a roof over our heads um uh, you know what name, family, friends, uh, a healthy body um name it you know, and sometimes you go, well, those are little things. Those are the easiest things. Those are the most important things. Those five, six things I've just named outside of that. Yes, there are other things, but those are really some of the most important, aren't they? And then honor. Who are you when no one else is in the room? Who are you when no one else is looking and when you're accountable to nothing and no one else? Who are you then? Are you honorable? Um, are you, I lo- there's another um, saying that I absolutely, Absolutely love. And it, it goes, loyalty is when you have my back behind my back. So when is it that you're trashing others at the, you know, the water cooler? You know? mm. um, is that a noble thing to be doing? Is it an honorable thing to be doing? Shouldn't we just either walk away or say, Hey, you know, everybody, I know Susie Q and she's probably just had a bad day today. And maybe we should all be doing a little bit. she probably just need a hug. Why don't we find out what we can do for her as opposed to you know, and yeah, there are a lot of people out there that are pain in the butt. I get it. <laughs> but, you know, we do want to at least try.
0: Yeah. You know, we want
1: to try. So
0: how can people get in contact with you if they want to reach well, out? Well,
1: I mean, Clarissa Burt straight across the board. LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, just Clarissa Burt. Um, I'm just not on, and LinkedIn as well. I'm not on Snapchat. I don't know even know what that is, really. <laughs> <laughs> But, oh, I don't know really what that is, David. <laughs> but
0: Dame Clarissa Barrett, thank you for sharing your journey with us today. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank
1: you so much, David, for your time. Thank you.
0: That was The Journey, hosted by Wise Words Imaging, hosted by David Hackett. Be sure to like, subscribe and listen to another journey coming soon.